So yeah, you hear a lot about how adopting the right mindset will help people improve their performance, uh, increase the sense of well-being, achieve their goals. You know, there's a lot of discussion here about having the right mindset, um, which is what we're going to talk about today. And before before we jump in and explore that, I thought I would just offer up a definition which is borrowed from Mindset UK. Uh, and they describe it as a set of beliefs that affects how we think, how we feel, and how we behave, which is you know, quite a nice sort of uh, introduction to it, hopefully. Uh, and I'm going to come to you for your thoughts on it and your definition in a minute. But I guess the other place people will, will have heard or read <clears throat> or seen TED videos about mindset sort of more recently is through the work of Carol Dweck and Stanford University, the work she did there around growth mindset, fixed mindset, um, which is a, a useful way to anchor how somebody sees their ability to change and learn and develop and all those sorts of things. And I sometimes think to to the uninitiated, this idea of have a growth mindset, you know, can feel like a philosophical uh, debate or a philosophical de- uh, endeavor. But all of this is backed up by science. It's backed up by research, empirical research that shows that when we adopt the right mindset, we're more likely to achieve that thing or achieve that growth or whatever it might be. Um, and it has an impact in relation to achievement. But maybe maybe we can get into that in more detail in a moment. What would be your definitions of mindset? And beyond that, how it can affect performance? So I I struggled with this one. I was kind of thinking about this. And then I, I looked at it as a bit of your window on the world or your view. Um, and I'm going to say that impacts on your thoughts, your beliefs, your your feelings. Um, and that I really like the definition of the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. So with the fix, are you, you know, do you always focus on things in one way and that's the way to do it? Or do you look at the other thing or, or different ways that you that you could be doing things? And I, whether this is the right kind of analogy to to use, but I was, I thought about driving a car so when you're driving a car your focus is on the road and the distractions and you're or you shouldn't be looking at anything else so that was my kind of a bit of fixed mindset I have to I'm paying attention to the road I'm paying attention to distractions when I'm sitting in the passenger seat I might be looking around a bit more and looking at the other things that the driver might not normally see but then if I'm walking the same path and I've got more time and I pay attention to the stuff that's around me, you see things that you don't normally see. So I think about, um, I've got a property on the Isle of Wight and I drive down around the village loads of times to get to the property. But yet when I go and walk around it, I see so many different things because I'm looking around, around and I thought, oh, I didn't realise that property had that or they've got that in the garden or I didn't even realise that one was there. So it's, that mindset bit and whether I'm describing this in the right way but it's it's that window what do what do we take the time to look at to feel to to think about um and are we open are we open to different that growth mindset is being open and looking at other 
different things rather than following that same view and that same look because that's the way I always do it so that's the way I'm going to continue to do it so I'm not sure if that's a good a good kind of uh, definition or or kind of that's that's my take my take mm. on it that's quite interesting isn't it that window on the world I quite like that and then and that kind of taps into that bigger and not to get distracted, uh, but it does tap into that whole belief system, the values, the way we've been brought up, our world view, uh, which we think is, you know, is is so kind of um, interwoven in everything we do, and, and to a degree it is. Um, but it's also, like you said, Ali, that possibility that we don't always have to think or feel or do that that we've always done before. So I think when I looked at the definition, it was a similar one to the one you've brought up, Stephen, that kind of, you know, um, a set of established beliefs and thoughts. And for me, the the word, the two key words is established and set, because then I thought, are they set? I, I understand a set of like a deck of cards. I think that's what they mean when they're talking about that definition. But it made me think of, is it set? And no, of course, it isn't set. It doesn't have to be set, does it? Mm. The way that we've kind of experienced the world so far may have been useful and it, it may have limited in some some in certain respects. And we could but we can choose at any point to kind of um, evolve or, or tweak or amend that view of the world or our experience so far and adopt a slightly different view and experience of the world so for me it's very much about that kind of it nothing is set in stone we've all got the possibility of change we can all evolve and for me it's key that kind of I'm not there yet I'm not an expert yet I'm not I haven't mastered uh, French yet uh, I haven't mastered going to the gym on a regular basis three times a week yet but I'm working towards so for me I think that's the crucial bit the yet bit Ooh, okay yeah I think my definition um for me in, in in the coaching context is it's around exploring negative patterns of thinking their impact and how you change them that that's it for me and I think uh, Ali's analogy of the car minds we each wear a different pair of, of filtered sunglasses and depending on our programming depends on how we view the world I got really fascinated by neuroscience and neuroplasticity and basically how we can change our thinking we can create new neural pathways and I just found this to be so empowering personally for myself you can change a thought you can change the outcome you can change your behavior. So for, for me, this is a massive part of coaching. And, and actually, I find this so exciting because it just gives people hope. You may well have thought that belief since you were seven. Um, and you may have been running that neural pathway all that time, but you can create a new pathway. You can create a new thought. And therefore, that thought becomes a belief. So for me, this is a hugely empowering part of coaching um, that that it gives people hope you can do it you can change and there's so much science as you mentioned Stephen you know the whole subject of neuroplasticity and you know they said you can't teach a dog new tricks well you can you can do it and there's plenty of proof and science to back that up so this is a really interesting topic in relation to coaching yeah because it because it can again my experience of observing people and if we use growth and fixed as our jumping off point people who have a fixed mindset and it's it's really entrenched in some people in that it's not a case of them taking a different perspective. They don't even know another perspective exists. Do you know what I mean? It's just that's the way it is. 
Um, and, you know, that thing over there that seems unobtainable, that's for other people, you know, not for me. That's the way the cards were dealt and forever I will be, you know, whatever whatever I am at the moment. But you're right, the, the science behind it's really interesting, isn't it? And you mentioned neuroplasticity, uh, and I wouldn't call myself an expert, but from what I've read and absorbed over the years, by the age of about seven or eight or something, we've pretty much made our view of the world, I think I'm right in saying, in terms of all the neural connections that are made. And that can take a bit of, you know, unwiring, unlearning things. But you're absolutely right. It's quite empowering to know that yeah, yeah, absolutely, we absolutely can. The brain is very capable of making those new connections, of learning new things. But it's got to be primed to. And when we're in a fixed mindset state that doesn't exactly put us in a good position to to do some of that unlearning or rewiring or whatever it might be um but it is quite it is quite powerful isn't it this beliefs since you start talking about beliefs and feelings <clears throat> and then we act on those feelings <laughs> that's the interesting thing we start to believe things that make us feel a certain way about a situation like i'm not good enough or i'll never get there and we act on it and some of those beliefs are half truths at best. You know, they're not they're not things that should be anchoring our decision making, but they but they tend to. Um, so yeah, what you know is what impact have you seen this have on performance for people you've worked with? I mean, it could go one of two ways. It could keep people where they are, but equally, it could shift somebody's opportunities, decisions significantly fundamentally so what what experiences have you seen when someone either has or hasn't made a shift in terms of their mindset i think it can stop people from doing things i think if you've got a limiting belief that i'm not good enough and i or you know whatever it is that you're you're telling yourself and the word that came up for me just when we were when i was listening to some of that is the narrative what's the narrative that you say to yourself and you hear a lot about you know people create a narrative of about themselves and from, there's a bit in the mind, you know, what's the narrative that we're telling ourselves? So I've seen it where people haven't gone for jobs or put themselves forward for different opportunities, taken a leap of faith because they don't feel that they're they're good enough. They can do that, you know, that they're, well, no, I can only do this. I can't, I can't do anything else. Um, they may be quite judgmental people can be judgmental about approaching different things and that can impact on performance I think in relationships but on a positive note when people are open to different things and open to change and yeah you can kind of there's almost that bit oh my gosh I never thought I could do that but actually by thinking about it differently or feeling about it differently it, it then has can have almost like a chain reaction on other things do you think I'm just thinking do we think it's helpful to have a role model because I'm just wondering it's it's one thing to kind of think or imagine or half hope or aspire and I'm just wondering the role of coaching and, and other supportive networks particularly when we're making big changes in careers or health or fitness or whatever having that role model or someone to turn to or seeing someone else in action so we might have had a fixed mindset or a view of the world a narrative that we've grown up with where it, that isn't for me going to a posh gym isn't for me or paying someone to help me exercise isn't for me you know or whatever 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 um 
And I'm just wondering if that role modelling, seeing other people do things, seeing other people achieve, whether that inspires and gets that bit of movement. So I think there has to be, thinking of uh, Valley's chain reaction, there has to be a thought, yes, but then there also has to be something else that kind of moves that thought into action or, or whatever and to make it more tangible and visible. So I, I wonder if being surrounded by people you know people often there's a principle isn't there you kind of aspire you socialize with the people you want to be you kind of you network with the the, the kind of roles that you want to you know be working in in, in a year's time or whatever and I, I wonder if there's that almost that osmosis that aspiration that inspiration that we get from surrounding ourselves with role models that are of mm -hmm. the same growth mindset I, yeah I think that's I think that's brilliant. And I think that's certainly the case for me in my career, you know, just just looking for people that I aspire to be like and then hooking on to that. Well, if they can do it, I can do it. Uh, and especially if you can relate to that individual, well, if they can do it, then I definitely can do it. I think there's something massive in that, um, having a role model um, for us all um, in progressing. What, one of the things that I used to do or still do with my coaching clients um, is what, what I call an evidence log. Um, so apologies. Uh, I, create an, I get them to create an evidence log where um, that helps them reshape their thinking. It's evidence, you know, of their success and their journey. And it starts to, there's proof in the pudding, they can see it. And it shows that progression and helps to create those new, new neural pathways. Mm. Uh, but I love the role modelling, um, Louise. I think that's um, a brilliant point to bring up. Yeah, definitely. Because the, the behaviour you tend to see, I'm just picking out one from a you know from a, a person or even a group who have developed a fixed mindset is whenever there's feedback delivered to them it's seen as an attack <laughs> it's certainly not welcome it's not you know it's not seen as oh well this will help us get better then so you do see that the sort of behavioral manifestation of what, how where people's heads are at and it i think it, it's contagious that stuff yeah i agree i think if you work in that environment well, lots of people in the same way yeah, you might assimilate and, and not necessarily a positive way. But if the culture of the team or just the people around you is not that and it's open and, yeah, we, we'll, we'll not always get it right, but that's part of the journey, you know, that type of thing. It's okay to make mistakes because we learn from it within reason. You don't want to make any catastrophic ones, but, you know, that type, if that's the kind of discussion and, you know, the way the way things get done around here, the, the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but I can see how that would definitely make an impact. Yeah, it's, it's that cliche, isn't it? Behaviour breeds behaviour. Yeah. And if, you know, whether that's an, a, a negative or whether it's positive. Um, and I think, yeah, that that role modelling piece is seeing people like you doing it and achieving it and that kind of thinks it makes you think well yeah if they can do it I can do it I used to do a lot of mastermind groups in in um in my business days and and that that was that it was just mixing with like-minded people or people that were slightly you know ahead of you and and that would obviously they'd share their secrets but it was more than that you know it, it was it was being surrounded by those people with those you know those beliefs the beliefs that you're trying to you know adopt so yeah how much can a coach be that positive role model do you think in a non-directive non-judgmental way as we would be managing those sorts of boundaries but how much of a role model could the coach be do you think <laughs> that's a really interesting because yeah. we know what the 
right answer is mm. but there's also an element of that in reality you will have those clients coaches that will look to you i'm not going to say look up but they will look to you for an element of inspiration aspiration and a little bit of that cheerleading celebrating success mm. and when it's appropriate in small doses i'm kind of okay with that so i think there is a bit of that dynamic and relationship that can be beneficial mm. but i'm really trying to choose my words very very carefully in that <laughs> i'll tell you the reason for my question and that you're right there isn't a kind of obvious well yes of course there can be but you, on a previous conversation louise you mentioned sort of collusion which tends to happen in you know just talking to friends about these types of things just sometimes by the virtue of being an objective voice be, being the sort of person who asks the questions of why not it sort of breeds possibility as opposed to they might not be getting that input. So it, it's not necessarily cheerleading from the sides or anything like that, but just by virtue of being there and asking the objective questions with positive intent. It, 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 that might be what well, I guess what I'm trying to say in a long winded way is yeah. they don't get that elsewhere potentially. So that could in a roundabout way provide that to them. And that, that was going to be my response that actually we create the space <laughs> right, for, that yeah. kind of, for that kind of conversation. So that's kind yeah. of where I was kind of, yeah. yeah we're that's a better kind of, way of putting it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let, let's, let, by asking those lovely questions, giving them that, you know, opening the possibilities up. So that, that would be my sort of answer to that. That's a difficult question, though. <laughs> it, it, it's that healthy challenge bit, like you say in the wine, whether it's, whether it's devil's advocate, whether it's, you know, you as a coach in an ideal world you come in with the unfiltered look on, on on that person and just because they're telling you well I can't do it doesn't mean that you have if that's what they believe doesn't mean that you have to believe that so there is that place as a coach to kind of say well well why like you say why not why couldn't you do it um I think yeah there's but it is you it's it's that that bit about colluding and cheerleading and um, you know, you you want to encourage them and you want to support them. But again, you don't, you know, it's for them to take, you know, they've got to take ownership and, and I suppose, be their own cheerleader to some extent. Mm. Yeah. But it's unpicking those limiting beliefs, as you mentioned, Ali, and that evidence log, Lou, that you mentioned, I think is crucial, isn't it? Yeah, tell me a time when. And then they unpick it and they tell the story and it worked out well. Okay, what skills did you use? What experiences did you use? What resources did you call upon? All of those things. And it, it reminds them that they've got it all in them and it's there ready to be tapped into. It's, it's like uh, sometimes I work with clients and just say, you know, think of your lucky day. Well, of course, it's not a lucky day, is it? it it's their skills, resources, you know, experience, all of these things accounted to give them a, br a great outcome and a brilliant day. Um, but often we just think as humans, it was just it was just by chance that that meeting led to that conversation that led to my a job offer. Mm, a bit more to it than that or whatever. So I think it's really important just to remind them it's all within them. It's all there and just needs to be tapped into and perhaps brought together in a bit more of a meaningful, purposeful way. But they've got everything that they need at their fingertips. It's about kind of calling upon it, using it. Um, you know, a bit of discipline and, and a bit of focus. Yeah. So just to get really specific for a moment then, 
what experiences have you the three of you had where you know within the course of a conversation you've realized that mindset is a factor that it needs to be challenged um and it's appropriate to do so how did you go about it how what would be your strategy for working with a client i know it's difficult to generalize because everybody's be, is different and uh, all that sort of things but as a from a high level perspective how would you go about challenging someone's mindset how do you help them work through that so they can see the possibilities i think if i can go first i think just important to say a permission piece here before we start delving into you know the inner workings of someone's mind I, th I think you know we have to just be mindful as coaches that we get permission before we ask the difficult questions and I think also as coaches we're listening for language verbal non-verbal cues aren't we we're listening for you know rep repetitive words you know oh, I can't do that you know we're just listening and I think subtly listening and that enables you then to challenge I think I've, I've always got a four-step plan, three-step plan, you know, 30-day, that's just, that's just me. But I'm going to share my four-step plan very, very briefly. So if, if someone is presenting and that they're sort of, you know, that there's a limiting belief, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, first of all, exploring what the limiting belief is or, or that. And when I say belief, I mean thought, a repetitive thought becomes a belief. Let's just be clear on that. So when we talk about beliefs, it's just a series of repetitive thoughts that form a hardwired belief. So step one is about exploring what they are. And normally that's in a specific area, career progression, confidence, relationship, whatever it may be, and really nailing what that limiting um, belief actually is you know, put words to it I believe this about myself and often when you distill it it's I'm not good enough to in some in some form or another so I think step one is about what is the limiting belief that is holding me back and causing me pain second thing is examining the impact and I think this is really important to do now we're not therapists so we're not we're doing this briefly we're not going into you know into you know um their, their history in too much depth but I do think examining its impact where where it may have come from, how that's impacting them in the past or how it has impacted them in the past, current and future. If you continue to hold this belief, what's the long term impact going to be? And often just asking that question is enough for someone to go, oh, no, that can't happen. It really kind of, um, I don't know, puts a rocket, you know, yeah. and they're like, I need to change. Yes, this cannot happen. It's going to stop me progressing, stop me finding love, stop me getting, you know, the career, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's the second step is examining the impact. Step three is about, well, what's the new belief? What's the new thought? You know, let's start with that little new thought, that new neural pathway. What's the new thought that you need to think? And that then hopefully over time becomes the new belief. And the final step for me is, well, what, what do we do to rewire and reprogram? Actually, what's the strategy? And there's loads of things, and, and maybe that's a subject for another time, but things like evidence logs, things like taking action that you're scared of. Quickest way to change a belief and create a new neural pathway is just go out there and do it um, and visualization there's loads of science around visualization and, and and how that can actually rewire the brain so I think just in summary it's about what is the limiting belief what impact is it having what's the new belief and then how do we embed that how do we actually re rewire the brain and that's certainly my approach with working with a client um, but first of all it starts with permission you know actually do they even want to you know go down that path do they want to explore because some people aren't open to it and others are like yeah bring it on mm. so, yeah. picking up on that bit you said and yeah definitely 
and it's funny I'd never put it into a step-by-step -step process but yes I've done all those done all those things and I think that that bit you were saying about that visualization I know I was working with a client who it was a past work situation that was and the belief from that and her behavior it was impacting on her behavior and everything was about this situation this situation this person this situation and it was just a continual all of the time and we um i try and make this short but we did a bit of visualization we ended up putting that scenario it went in a bag and then obviously we not encouraging anyone to throw rubbish or anything like that but the rubbish the the bag got thrown into the river and the and the bag and she was watching the bag go away um and we talked about well what if the bag you know and everything you know it was in the bag it had, it had gone and what if it come back da, 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 you know and our first few coaching sessions had been almost consumed by this particular topic and we spent a lot of time with this bag going into the river and it going off and we came back to the next session and we were about half an hour in and I'm thinking she's not talked about this situation and um it kind of came to appropriate time for me to pick up and I said but what about this she said oh no shit it's in the bag it's gone shit it went down the river and it's gone and we kind of explored and it was it was that visualization of it going away she said it went and it I realized that it was in it didn't have to come back and it mm. had gone she said and if I start to think about it I just think about the bag and it's gone and you kind of at the time you think well let's try it and let's have a play with it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but that was really 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 effective and I think something that happened for me when I was being coached again all of those different steps and it was one question that the coast coach asked me and it was what's the reality of this situation and it was something that had been in my mind that was clouding my thoughts when I had to thought it's kind of this negative and I kind of didn't want it to be there and when they asked me that question what's the reality of the situation and I actually said some words out loud it was kind of like why am I letting this occupy my mind and my thoughts and just by that one question made me think differently so whenever very rarely this thing comes up I think and I say the two lines that I said back to that question and it's like yeah gone um and you kind of think wow can it happen it does it does and I think it's it's so so powerful sometimes just shining a light on a limiting belief is enough which is what you're describing enough to sort of disperse it and actually no further work is needed um I think that but it's bringing that awareness isn't it shining that light and asking the right questions that someone goes yeah you know why have I been letting that hold me back all these years how spooky be, be just before you said that about shying a light in my head I was thinking it's like flicking a switch on <laughs> there you go so yeah I like the uh, the combination of the kind of the the headspace stuff so Ali that you've kind of described it. it's kind of that visualization and some of that headspace stuff but then also tapping into what you said Lou earlier about taking action so for me, that is absolutely much more my favoured personal uh, way of dealing with things. So I either distract myself with something else or I set myself a challenge or I just physically create a new habit or routine. And I'm a big believer in that the body, the physiology affects the psychology. The body actually affects the psychology. So mm. it's not the other way. I mean, it can be the other way around. But it's massively proven that it's much more powerful and quicker for the body to instigate a change in our psychology, which is why 
exercises prescribed for anxiety and low mood you know all of those kind of things it's not just go for a walk and you'll feel better genuinely you will feel better um you know so there's loads and loads of science behind that so for me i i'm a big believer in the taking action something just shaking it up just making it feel and look different um but it's a combo isn't it and everyone responds to different things that's just my personal preference yeah it's interesting you mentioned that there was a the EMCC did a, a global conference uh, before Christmas and Dr. Celine Mullins, shout out to her, who did a brilliant session on exactly that, how the physiology, the science behind the physiology uh, affecting the mind and stuff is really interesting. You, you know, just hearing all three of you describe sort of different approaches and some creative styles, sometimes just shining a light on it, sometimes again having that robust plan, it just reminds me it's back to the almost the basic premise of why we're all coaches and what it's about in that how <laughs> in situations like this how ineffective telling is or direction is do you know what i mean because again to, if somebody goes with a let's say someone does have an awareness but it's still a limiting belief and they're doubting themselves because of it and they share it with somebody else they'll probably receive well-meaning yet empty platitudes of well, don't worry about it you'll be great just just do it you know things like that which as i say are well-meaning but don't even scratch the surface in terms of having an impact on how somebody feels about themselves or their situation or how they see the world or whatever but going back to your really you know your four your four-step plan lou in particular we're getting them to think, aren't we? Okay, it's about raising awareness, but you have to do the work here. You have to do the thinking. It's ultimately you who has to shift your perspective. No one else can really do that for you. Do you know what I mean? So I know that's coaching 101, you know, not to tell, but it's just conversations like this that really remind me of the stark difference between what they'll probably get outside of coaching and what they'll get into coaching. Um, so again, uh, uh, I always like to ask this question when we're talking about these sorts of things, but success stories, I mean, people you've worked with, what kind of impact has this had when the things you've just described, whether it's the sort of creative stuff Alison, you talked about, the visual things, um, or whatever it might be, what, what successes have we had with clients when they've made that shift in perspective, when the mindset has changed to something that's more open, more positive, or whatever it might be? Yeah, oh gosh. Um, yeah, lo lots of success stories. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever been through a, a coaching program with a client without touching on mindset at some mm. point. I, I just want to say that I think it, it, it's an, it naturally comes up in coaching. Some, some clients want to delve right deep into that. Others, maybe not so much, which comes back to that permission piece. But yeah, I think it, it, it's a common conversation in coaching. Yeah. And for me, I, I, gosh, I can't think of anything, any specific example, but loads of successes working on limiting beliefs, helping people just shine that light can often be a catalyst to help them take that next step um so i haven't got any specific um mindset stories other than you know yes clients have achieved goals and gone on to start businesses i think i've mentioned this in previous episodes and stuff yeah. like that and yeah. working on mindset has been very much part of helping them get there so yeah yeah i think i'm similar to lou really i can't think of anything specific i'm sure there are cases but 
you know, my memory is terrible. Um, lots of career stuff. So you might do something practical around maybe interview and, and you know, selling yourself. But the mindset is, you know, a big piece of that kind of, uh, am I good enough for this job? Am I fit for this job? This is this right organisation. There's loads of different things. I don't think you could just identify one strand. It's a conversation that kind of um, is, is woven through lots and lots of coaching conversations. I think some of the mindset stuff for me, um, it is intricately linked with a real permission too. So if someone believes they're allowed to be that person they aspire to be, that job is for me, I can do that, I can have a comfortable retirement because I've planned and saved or I've been organised or ah, whatever it is that they aspire, that growth mindset want, you know, has led them to. So that permission to be, to give it to them, that permission to to seek happiness and to make it happen for themselves, to seek financial security. So there's some a bit about permission, I think, in that mindset stuff and a bit of about self-talk as well. Mm. And positive self-talk, and I use the, the quote things because I know it can be kind of banded around as quite fluffy or whatever, but I think the way we, we talk to ourselves and the way we view ourselves are you know big big indicators of whether we're gonna we're gonna deliver on what we want we're going to achieve those those goals and those successes so uh, you know they're all kind of interwoven for me I think yeah it's uh it yeah I, I get the I get the fluffy thing that gets leveled at a lot of developmental stuff and that comes from a very cynical place which ironically is quite a strong mindset that people can adopt as well but I think the reality of the situation is the negative talk's going to happen whether you like it or not. So if you, do, if you don't balance that out with something more positive or more pragmatic even, then that negative self-talk tends to happen. It's kind of, kind of a defense mechanism. It's a threat response. It's kind of, again, the way we're all wired, but some people are better at managing it than others, I think. Ali, anything you'd like to add in terms of successes? I suppose from my personal point of view of that, that question and how that changed my mindset and got rid of something that was was bugging me as yeah creates space for other things um and obviously the the example that i use with the visualization from somebody who had not a, a, a sort of fully positive outlook on her career going forward i think there was quite a, a quite a shift and it actually opened her eyes to to different things um, but yeah, it's it's kind of hard to, yeah, and sometimes it's hard to quantify. Um, but it it is that that change in mindset is really really powerful, and I, as I think as I said earlier, it can lead on. It has a knock on effect on other areas as well. Yeah, and there's a, there's almost like a permanency about it. I think, like you say, using that flicking the switch, you flicked it, and it's kind of it's there. It's obvious, and now everything looks different. And actually potentially by not flicking that switch back again which i know can be challenging sometimes but but you know moving forward with that new mindset my god possibilities are limitless aren't they you know it gets exciting again you get energized by all of those possibilities to to explore and to see so i think that there's almost like a permanency behind having that growth mindset and a growth mindset doesn't mean that I'm an expert and I've sorted it and I'm permanently positive it just means I have the possibility to make things happen successfully for me you know I've got the gumption to move forward in the way I want to move forward that's all it means it just gives the power back to us as individuals to drive and direct what we want out of life.